Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Um, I want to finish this series um, on oxygen tonight on perhaps, I would say, the finest of all prayer. Um, the type of praying that, that changes people's lives uh, and breaks strongholds. And uh, it is intercession. Now, intercession is a subject, it's a, it's a, uh, a form of prayer that has, for, for many, it has been hijacked, I would say, um, by a certain style of prayer. Uh, people would say they have a ministry of intercession. Um, they would um, perhaps get into a birthing position and uh, start <laughs> groaning. Uh, um, I, I just want you to know that intercession is, is, is not those things. It, it can be. Uh, it can be those things if you so feel the need. Perhaps you just have indigestion. I don't know. But, uh, but it, there are times in your life when prayer can be very deep. And, 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 uh, but it's, that isn't of itself intercession. Intercession actually isn't even a ministry. Uh, I, I just need you to understand that, but I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. But I want to read to you um, perhaps the most beautiful of all interceding prayers. And this is Jesus in Luke 23 and 33. Luke 23 and 33, this is Jesus when he's being crucified. And it says this, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then they divided his garments and cast lots. You see, this prayer is intercession because intercession is simply praying for others. It's the type of prayer that breaks strongholds because it is not about you. Now, the, the problem, I believe, with our prayer life is that much of, much of our focus is us, what we're believing for, what we're claiming, what we're laying a hold of. And we're focusing on our own intent. But intercession is simply praying for the needs of others. You're not covering your own base. You're not dealing with your own issues. You're interceding on behalf of somebody else. And Jesus, when he's on the cross, he defines what intercession is. But what has happened in church life is that, is that churches, particularly what has happened in the 20th century, is that charismatic Pentecostal church has um, been birthed into a, uh, an explosion of ministry life. And that is of itself a, a good thing, and yet what has happened out of that good, there's, there's come perhaps an overemphasis. Um, uh, what happened after the Azusa Street Revival in 1906, the Welsh Revival in 1904, is that the church just began to come alive again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the, the outreach of the church. We saw um, uh, in the early 20th century pre-war, the church began to grow. The, the Pentecostal churches began to uh, explode quite rapidly, and uh, particularly uh, across the Atlantic, and, um, but also here in the UK, 
okay. And there were, there were a number of great churches. And then what happened post-war is that um, wealth began to increase in society. And the church, for the first time in its history, began to have wealth. When I see the church for the first time, I mean right across the board. Not talking about established churches with, uh, with vast amounts of money, but right across the board, the kingdom of God began to get wealthy. And what that meant was that evangelists, pastors, teachers could get out there and preach to their heart's content. And uh, it empowered a whole army of ministry. Uh, and there was, in the 50s, many tent crusades. I remember going forward in the 1970s, a guy called Dick Saunders, um, who uh, Cheryl and I both went when we were children to Dick Saunders' crusades. He's uh, from our hometown called Hailsham. And uh, Hailsham is a, is a funny little market town where I grew up, but it's the home of a lot of um, Christian um, organizations that we take for granted today. Kingsway Music uh, started in Hailsham. Um, the um, Makeway Music, which is Graham Kendrick's uh, music, uh, started in uh, Hailsham. Um, Spring Harvest was born there. Uh, there's a lot of different organizations in this funny little town. And, and Dick Saunders... Um, had the largest outreach evangelistic tent in the 1970s in the world. Uh, his tent was the largest, and he used to take it into Russia uh, at a time of the highest, uh, the, uh, when Russia was, was completely against America, huge tensions between America and Russia, and Dick Saunders had the world's largest crusade tent running through it. And, uh, um, so, and all of that happened because of the wealth that are coming to the church, empowering, empowering, giving, uh, enabling people to get out and minister uh, and, and do great things for God. But in the process of what happens is, is that the church began to explode, ministries began to explode, and the, out of these ministries came a definition of, of different types of ministry. So people say, I'm a prophet, I, uh, I'm, I've got a leadership gift, uh, I've got a healing ministry. And so they started narrowing down the definition of their ministry and just focusing on those things and sort of launching themselves out. And, and then what we began to see is that people started saying, I've got a ministry of intercession and, and uh, I, I am an intercessor. And, and at that moment in time, the church began to sort of embrace, yes, we've got to intercede. But I need you to understand that intercession is not a ministry in the Bible. All right. It's a function of every believer. It's a function of every believer. It's not a ministry in the Bible. It is a function of every believer. So what's the difference? Well, a ministry is focusing on a specific role. If you read Romans chapter 12 and you go through Romans 12, you'll see that there are different ministry uh, uh, gifts, different uh, functions as you were in terms of just ministering, and it's very specified. If you're going to prophesy, you're an, you're an exhorter, you're a, a giver, you're a leader, you're a server. These are very specific. They're focusing on your 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 number one ability. Those are things you do. But but intercession is never ever for all its um, beauty and all its. It's need. It's never ever defined once in the Bible for something that somebody specializes in. Because everybody should pray and everybody should intercede. You know, uh, what happens is that um, if you were to take someone um, like uh, uh, my son Joseph, he's an artist. And Joseph, um, as an artist, 
um, what can be painting. Uh, if you take somebody else who's uh, very mechanical, we've got any mechanics in the house here. Uh, oh, yeah, here's Les. Les is extraordinarily um, mechanical. He, if you've got any, any problems with uh, yeah, mechanical, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the hips. And uh, so... <laughs> And uh, I tell you what, Les is a man of secrets. He taught me how to tap dance. And uh, so, <laughs> so, a little rusty. And uh, so, uh, but if I were to ask Joe to do the mechanics and Les to do the painting, have you painted recently, Les? Any? Not like your house, a picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the radiator is there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so. I reckon, now, if I gave my son Joe a spanner, well, he could probably tinker around a bit, but he would get stuck quite quickly. I'm not quite sure how the painting would go with you, Les, if you were trying to paint like a dog or something like that. I don't know how it would go, but I reckon this. I reckon that, that if you swap the roles, at some point they're going to come undone. Right? But when they're doing what they're good at, they're really good at it. Right? That's ministry. But in the ministry, they're both using their hands. Yeah, See, prayer is your hands. Yeah. doesn't matter what you're doing. You must have prayer when you're doing it. Yeah. See, intercession is, 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 not a, is not a specialist ministry. You don't specialize intercession. You just intercede. Yeah. See, intercession is something that, that, that all of us should do because it's what Jesus did. Turn with me, will you, to, um, to uh, John's Gospel. John 17, and here we see that Jesus changes the climate in which everyone is operating through intercession. Look, look at what he does here in John 17, verse 20. This is, uh, John 17 is, a, is an, an amazing intercession uh, prayer. He says this in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is Jesus' prayer for you, by the way. And it's still working. He says, I don't pray for these alone. These were his disciples then. But I pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Now, that prayer is still working today. In other words, the climate of church life sees an unprecedented level of unity against any other function of human society. See, what we saw with the disciples pre this prayer is probably best defined as squabbling. (laughs) Humanity squabbles. Humanity is always edging for trying to get the better on one, feeling a little bit victimized, feeling someone's doing better than they are and it isn't fair, trying to to get one-upmanship, the competition, the the taking offense, being offended by by somebody's look. I've had people offended by the way I look at them. And uh, it's been reported back to me how how, um, hurt and upset they are because I, I looked at them. Well, I don't know what's going on with my face. I can't help it. I just look, you know. I, uh, people think, I saw you look at me. I, I know that God was speaking to you. 
I'm like, no, I was just thinking I need the loo. <laughs> just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I see all your secrets. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> the man of God doesn't, doesn't get special download of what's going on in your life unless it's a word of knowledge. And that's an unusual event. Are you with me here? And so, so people are, so there are their insecurities and their, and their, all of those kind of things. They, 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 people feel there's a, there's a natural inclination to squabble and be disunified. All right? But Jesus prays a prayer, and from that moment on, this work of unity begins to end. Right the way through the three years, the disciples have had an underlying squabble that has gone on right through to the Garden of Gethsemane. Up until that point, but until this point, this, this prayer that Jesus prays, right at this sort of final moment of his ministry, everything begins to change. The climate changes right up to the point of the day of Pentecost when they were completely unified as one. Everything changed. The climate changed. You've got to understand, see, intercession changes the climate of the life of those people around you. It changes the atmosphere in which people are operating. It begins to unite people's heart, takes away that sense of, of competition, that sense of being one up, that sense of being better or, or not so good or feeling insecure. And it causes people to be united one with another and just love each other. Yeah. See, it changes the climate. And once it's changed the climate, it heals the divide. Heals the divide. We've got to understand that what the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God does best is heals the gap between people. It heals the gap that exists between husbands and wives. It heals the gap that exists between Brethren in the church. It heals the gap between congregations. It, it heals the gap between brothers and sisters. It heals the gap. You see, what God needs you to understand is that, that intercession is about praying for others that the gap is healed. That the gap is healed. There is a healing with, between the midst of you. It, I, I, I'm amazed that when I meet people whose, whose lives um, can go for so many years with, without talking to family members. How many people, I've, we've seen it so many times, they, they've gone a decade, two decades Three or four decades, I've had to do funerals for families and they don't talk to each other. The family doesn't talk to each other and there's their, their beloved person they've come to say goodbye to, but they're not talking to each other. And you're looking at them and you're just going, I don't know how you maintain that kind of life. But I've seen how prayer over families' lives, churches' lives, people's lives, intercession for others just heals the divide. There is a, people, when they're, when they're living their life, they're not thinking about the person they don't like anymore. But that doesn't mean to say the problem's not there. It's like, it's like a drug addict who's not, who's, not, who's not taking drugs anymore. It doesn't mean to say they're not a drug addict, so they're just not taking drugs. 
<laughs> you give them the drugs, you've got the problem again. You see, it's within the contact and, in context. And, and you see, that's the divide. You see, you have the person here and you have the person here and you have the wound that sits between them. But you see, I, I need you to understand that intercession is what heals a city. Intercession is what heals communities. Intercession is what heals people's lives. Intercession is what changes people's hearts and lives. It takes the climate and it changes it. Amen? Something else I want you to see is that Romans 8. Romans 8 is, um, the end of Romans 8 gives us an extraordinary demonstration of how strongholds are broken. How strongholds are broken. Romans 8, 34. Verse, um, verse 34 says this, who is he who condemns? It's a powerful question. Who is he who condemns? How many of you live with condemnation in your heart? How many of you live with a condemnation over, over your life? That's self-doubt. You know that doubt, is con- doubt of yourself is condemnation, by the way. You live with, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now look at what this intercession achieves. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword? For as is it written, for our sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any created thing shall able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I need you to see what intercession does. Intercession achieves all of those see when Paul's writing to the Roman church he 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 can't find enough descriptive words to describe how many strongholds there are that cannot rob you of your love for God and God's love for you he's finding every stronghold he's he starts in he starts in 30 um In 35, he says, shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. Now, that would be a bad day, wouldn't it? (laughs) I I would feel very unloved if I was standing naked. That's one of those weird dreams, isn't it, you have when you're in primary school with no trousers on. And uh, (laughs) shall nakedness, peril. That's uh, Cheryl the peril. That's what we used to call it. Cheryl (laughs) or sword. That basically, that basically we, we would normally call that just having a bad day. But he's really broken this down. He's really defining what a bad day really is, right? Tribulation, distress, persecution. For as it is written, we are, uh, for as it is written for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So he's talking about the trials and the tribulations you will go through. And then he says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities. So nor the things that can take life away from you or the things that can give you life. 
Nor angels, nor principalities, no powers, spiritual or natural, can take things, can take the love of Christ. Nor things present, nor things to come. You've got to understand, nothing in your future is going to cause you harm. It's not going to rob you. Nothing in your future. You're looking forward thinking, oh, yeah, I'm not sure whether I've made. Look, you've got to understand, nothing in your future can rob you of the love of God. Nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of Christ. Now listen, Jesus intercedes for us and that's the victory we gain. Intercession breaks strongholds. When there is a need... For strongholds to be broken, start praying for those around you and you will begin to see the victory that is achievable in Christ's name. When we begin to pray, see, we spend our life praying for others or praying for ourselves and we're going, God, we pray, I pray. But listen, I need you to understand, we are first created to pray for each other before we're created to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for ourselves. But the most important prayer, the most beautiful of all prayers, the crowning glory of prayer is when you lift up somebody else and you go, Jesus, will you bless them? Will your love be upon them? Will your spirit fill them? Will I prophesy over them blessings of heaven? We declare that no stronghold shall shall stand against them. You're lifting up somebody else rather than thinking about yourself. See, when you learn how to pray, like for someone else, you begin to shift the spiritual atmosphere around your own life. Here's the thing. You've all been down to the harbour, I'm sure. You can see when the tide is in, the boats are up. Tide is out. They're all down. Listen. When you pray for somebody else, you're praying for the tide to come in. Guess who gets lifted as well? See, I've noticed this in church. When the church prays for each other, even those who aren't praying are lifted. Even those who aren't believing are breaking through. Why? Because the tide lifts everyone. So you've got, you've got to understand this. I, I, Pastor Andrew was talking to me about the stock market. Uh, and uh, I don't know anything about the stock market. And um, as he said when he was here in, in July, talking about how he used his, um, he used his uh, student funding to buy stocks and shares. And uh, uh, he, he didn't tell you all the stories. And uh, I'll have to tell you. And uh, <laughs> I can tell you for money. And, uh, so <laughs> and uh, or stocks and shares, perhaps. And uh, so he, he, was, um, he was talking to me about the stock market. And he said, listen, he said, the problem with the stock market, he said, is that when the stock market's rising, everything rises. Even bad companies rise. He says, when it's rising... You can invest in a company that's not worth anything and you'll still make money. You see, the Christian who prays raises the level 
of faith in the house. The church that prays begins to bring up a spirit of faith in the house that lifts even those that don't believe. In other words, the blessing of the house comes upon them and they begin to find Christ anyway. It changes the atmosphere around them and they find themselves quite naturally being blessed. You see, intercession not only breaks strongholds, it destroys the power of strongholds even getting a footing. It changes the environment upon which a person is living. You notice how sometimes there are there is just no opportunity for the enemy to get a hold because there is such an atmosphere of faith. And yet other times the enemy, he just has a field day with your life. Mm-hmm. And you're just coming, he comes from left, right and center. What should we do when those events are taking place? Begin to pray for the kingdom of God. Begin to pray for the house. Begin to pray for the church. Begin to pray for the churches of the city. Begin to pray a blessing over over this nation. Begin to prophesy and bless those who you don't even know. Why? Jesus was praying for the church from that moment in time. These prayers we're living in the blessing of. We're being impacted for them. When Jesus said to the disciples, you shall do these things that I'm doing and greater, he's saying your prayer life shall have the same impact because my spirit that is upon me shall come upon you to pray. Are you with me here? See, if the Holy Spirit who was upon Jesus has been poured out upon the church causes you to pray that's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is causing you to pray and intercede. Why would your prayer work any less than the prayer of Christ? Well, I'm not Jesus. We all know you're not Jesus. (laughs) There's there's no prizes there. I mean, we, we all know you're not perfect. This isn't about you though, is it? This isn't about how good you are or how bad you are. This is not about how anointed you are. It's not about how clever you are or how deeply spiritual you are. It's, it's about prayer. See, prayer changes things. Yeah. When a person who doesn't know Christ prays, Jesus, save me, yeah. they're saved. Yeah. How can a person who is unforgiven pray for forgiveness and be forgiven if Christ isn't in them unless prayer that is led by the spirit changes things so if a person can pray to be saved a person can pray for a city to be transformed a person can pray for a person to be healed and set free how why well because the same spirit that was on Christ is on us led by the spirit To pray. Led by his presence to pray. Well, what are you being led to pray for? Just pray, intercede for the hearts of others and see God do incredible things. I want to finish with this. Luke 22, verse 30, it says this, But I have prayed for you that your faith shall not fail, but when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Luke twenty two thirty two, But I have prayed for you that your faith shall not fail. And when you have returned to me, 
Strengthen your brethren. Now, this prayer, I think, is, is one of the most defining prayers of the Bible that really helps us understand the power that Christ has spoken over us. This is Jesus praying for Peter just before he's going to go and deny him. Okay? You've got to get this. When Peter is there with Jesus, Peter is just full of enthusiasm. How many of you have just been filled with enthusiasm for God, but your character has yet to be tested? See, that happens a lot, doesn't it? When you're younger, I mean, I remember way back in my teenage years, there I am, but I'm prophesying we're going to plant churches. I'm believing for all these things, but my character hasn't been tested. And when my character was tested, I fell over a lot. (laughs) Found myself stumbling in the midst of my own weakness. I didn't know it was there. That was the reason for the the test. (laughs) See, Peter's character is about to go through a complete crash. But his calling will never fail. Jesus said, I'm praying for you that your faith shall not fail. And when you have returned to me, in other words, I'm praying, I'm declaring that even though you're going to go through this terrible time, you're going to go, you will come to me and then you will strengthen the brethren. You will do much more than you're doing now, even in your bravado. I'm going to die for you, Jesus. I'm going to be there right for you. Yeah, right. You're going to let me down big time. How many of you have ever felt like you've let Jesus down? You've missed that moment. You didn't speak up when you should have done. You didn't, you didn't just take that moment when he, when he called you to take it. There are many moments we let him down. But here's the incredible prayer of intercession that Jesus prayed. Even though you're going to go through personal disaster, personal failure, that internal doubt of your own calling, ability, that own sense of brokenness. And I I need you to understand this. If you can just hang on here. There is nothing more heart-wrenching than a person's personal brokenness before God. It is the deepest of all cries of the heart. It's where a person just comes before God and they just, that ache on the inside because they feel so utterly naked, so utterly broken. Are you with me? See, that's, that's Peter right there. But Jesus said, I'm praying your faith doesn't fail. See, Peter feels like his faith has failed. But his faith hasn't failed, his character failed. You with me here? His character failed, not his faith. And it's your faith that will get you home, not your character. All right? Your faith will help heal your character, will help resolve the weakness of your personality. Your faith. Jesus didn't say, I haven't prayed for your character. You know why? Because What happens is that in all intercession, intercession prays for the covering of the person's heart and life, but it doesn't take away personal accountability or responsibility as a person stands before God. You pray for a person to get saved, but they still got to say, Jesus, come into my heart. 
there's that accountability. So when Jesus is praying this prayer, he says, I know you're going to fall away, but I'm really not that bothered by that because I know when you come back, your faith will be, will be lifting you and your heart will lead you into a place of compassion and, and, and a, a place of care and pastoral care as you lead thousands into my kingdom. You see, what Peter needed to learn in all of his enthusiasm was the heart of a shepherd up until that point. He was just a fisherman who liked to hook fish out of the sea. But a shepherd was one who would gather the sheep around and take care of them. And he hadn't understood the brokenness. He hadn't understood the pastoral care of being loved by the father, of being cared for by the son until that moment. But in that moment of brokenness, his faith restores his heart. And he goes out and does mighty things for God. Yeah. You want to understand, see, see, intercession changed all of that yeah. for Peter. Many people don't feel like they can intercede because they thought it was a lot of very deep emotional groaning and, and wailing. Well, yes, it can be those sometimes. But if it's like that all of the time, I think you've got indigestion. Sometimes it's deep, but I want to tell you the beauty of intercession is simply lifting up your brother, your sister, your pastor, your leader, your congregation, your city, the churches around us, every part of this. This is a, what a beautiful city we live in. What a blessed city. We hear people saying that the, 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 the secular world have spoken such brokenness over the city. Oh, it's a terrible housing, terrible this. You know what? We are blessed. We are blessed. This city is blessed. And people are coming to Christ at a faster rate than ever before. You understand? It's when we speak over a city blessing. Speak over our brothers and sisters blessing. And speak over the power of the kingdom of God. There's a call of God that rests upon your life. Don't let the feeling of brokenness rob you of the understanding that faith is more powerful than the weakness of your character. Faith is more powerful. Let me finish by telling the story about in Hebrews, Abraham is defined as a man of great faith. Great faith. Whose faith did not waver, it says of Abraham. Whose faith did not waver. Now, I'm sorry, but I've read the Old Testament and it's a slightly different story. His faith didn't waver. But there's Abraham. I think Ishmael was probably a little bit of a wavering. So how come his faith that didn't waver, how come he's accounted for in that process? Because of this, faith is more powerful than the weakness of your character. When you believe, even when you go through hard times, your faith will carry you through. Your faith that you have, I don't feel like I, I've got faith. It's all right, you had faith. See, faith 
that you had will carry you through till you have it again. There are moments in our life when we doubt, when we wonder, when we get confused. But you see, intercession builds a man's faith and a man's faith will carry him through. But the key in all of this, church, is that we pray. Because that changes the level of faith. That changes the revelation. I really believe in this room tonight there are men and women who carry such a heart and cry for God. That you want to do something amazing and you just don't know how it's going to be. You've got great dreams, but you don't know how it's going to work out. Cheryl and I responded to the call of God when we were teenagers. And we really didn't know how it was going to work out. We had no idea we would come to Scotland. No idea we would plant churches across this nation. Oversee churches across Europe. No idea for those things. Just deep cry do something amazing in our life I need you to understand this the yielding of your heart to God is sufficient for God to open any door you don't have to open your own door by the way they swing open pretty wide and God make it happen in your life and he build his kingdom he will build his kingdom it's his kingdom he's using you he's giving you the privilege of partnering with him thanks for listening if you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com god bless